the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Austin Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Hey, yo, what's up? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year's program, Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's for the fight, recording this late Thursday night uh, before the uh, fights. It's UFC Austin, UFC on ESPN 37, UFC Fight Night, Cater versus Emmett. Oh, I was going to say the Fighting Falmer, baby. Um, no, I, I, I like I like Josh Emmett, but uh, we'll get to that fight. Check the timestamps for when that breakdown starts from top to bottom. As per usual, I'll recap my picks and plays at the end of the episode from top to bottom. I'm going to start with... Uh, couple shouts and a recap, but also going to try to blast this as fa- fast as possible because I'm, I'm tired, my energy's not great, but what are you going to do? Um, it's Thursday night, and uh, i got to be up early for conditioning uh, for the Train Alta program. They're gonna, they usually send us off for the week with some hard conditioning. Tuesdays and Fridays are the hard conditioning days. I don't like to miss those most of all because I need those most of all. Um, <clears throat> you know, worst enemy is getting tired in there, uh, as we saw in the main event for... Uh, you know, USC 275, although, you know, not so much tired as it was, you know, being in a war and body shots, which we'll get to. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, I, you know, definitely feeling like, uh, to share between rounds with obviously not fighting or being a badass like to share quite the opposite, but still, uh, to, as far as exhaustion levels go, <laughs> it's just like, uh, man, but, uh, it, it's good. Um, down in the 190s programs, uh, going great. Um, we'll keep the update, I guess, for that to that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how fast we can, um, get through, uh, just some quick shouts. Um, uh, I wrote my man, uh, Eric at Eric Betts Fights, Eric with a K. Um, gonna be, uh, hopefully jumping on, uh, his show in a little bit, uh, sometime in the future. Uh, I've been talking to him, but I wanted to give him a shout. Uh, it was, you know... I was talking about the other episode, like you know, there's a, I, I I talk shit, but there's there's a really you know just tons of tons of uh, you know we all talk shit on the MMA betting community. Why not, right? But no, honestly, uh, some of the coolest motherfuckers you know on online in general in this space, however you want to classify it, uh, been in the MMA betting community, you know. Um, so uh, definitely want to want want to shout people. Um, uh, not in the MMA betting community, but I wrote down here uh, chronic uh, chronic combat. Um, conversations uh oh no no th- those guys are i got caught i got two see i got i also got my mind kyle which is at combat chr at combat chronicles who i also want to give a shout excellent kickboxing episode he just put out go check out um for the match uh go check out uh kyle mclaughlin stuff but a uh, combat uh chronic combat conversations um those gentlemen always give me a laugh and uh 
you know, they're definitely one of the podcasts I'll have playing, you know, Saturday morning or maybe even late Friday night, depending uh, as my dessert per se. And, and uh, those guys just have me uh, laughing out loud that I have to go write their names down. Um, a man I've been trying to get on uh, for a minute, and it's just been my fault because, uh, you know, I'm busy. I'm busy. Um, you know, and, and not being heavy uh, guest booking, as you guys know, but my man Luke at SWR underscore betting. Of course, my man Liam uh, at Liam Picks Fights. He's been killing it. Um, uh, I'll shout my guy Clint in the, uh, in the recap here. Um, Clint McLean. Um, Want to shout uh, my man Aaron always just... Uh, saying nice things, Aaron Bronstetter, TSN MMA show, and in one of his latest TSN MMA shows, he gave a shout that I agree with. So I want to double dip on that shout. Kind of did online a bit, but Aaron said it best. If you know you're looking for a fighter, if he's got an interview, he's probably already been interviewed by James Lynch, and uh, I haven't given him a shout in a minute on here, I believe. So I want to make sure I, I shout that because I know plenty of us in the betting industry, we 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 check out them Lynch on Sport uh, at Lynch on Sports, by the way, his interviews. So um, you got to give shouts, um, the people doing fine work and all the all the different beats. Um, it was cool to hear uh, Southpaw Pod. It's cool to hear uh, Jason Sargas and my guy, of course, Sam Yang, recapping, giving some of their technical analysis. A lot of great stuff. Really good technical recap there. UFC 275. I'll try to blow through results. Trying to get hung up too much on points, although some of your boys' points were proven. And lastly but not leastly, everybody who has jumped on uh, my man Tim B, or should I say at Tim Spire, S-P-Y-R-E, on Twitter, um, who does still do work for Bloody uh, Elbow. I, I believe he, he, he shifted position there. Um, of course, fine people over there at Bloody Elbow. Good uh, Shouts to my man Vic Rodriguez. Of course, Steffi Hayes. Um... Uh, you know, some dude named Zane Simon, of course. You guys know him. I'll jump on podcast with him and, and all the rest. But, uh, no, Tim uh, was just giving, giving me a shout-out and, and made a hashtag. Uh, what's the hashtag? Let me put it on here. I, I don't know where he came. It just out of nowhere. He's just a kind freaking soul. Um, but the hashtag, hashtag get Dan Tom to 1K subs on my YouTube channel. Uh, that's Daniel Tom, MMA, T-O-M-M-M-A on youtube i haven't been promoting it too much because again youtube as well as you youtubers of course as you should it's video you hate audio uploads shout out to my uh, old producer there jordan um you know who, who taught me that uh, obvious obvious thing that i should have already known amongst many other uh, useful things um that i still have not gotten to um and as i'm getting around to those things you know i was gonna wait for that but procrastination's a son of a bitch and sometimes the time is now, and uh, I know I'm a, a little later than I wanted to be this week, up a little later than I wanted to be, but um, I've been getting a lot done, man, and I'm in a, in a groove of sorts, so you know what, let, let, let's, let's uh, you know what, accept the compliment, accept the push, Dan, accept uh, some love, if you will, which is hard for me to do, uh, not to get psychological, but you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird for me like that, but uh, I appreciate the shit out of it, appreciate the shit out of you guys, um, and um, the subs have gone up like like almost like 150 or something since he's posted that. What am I? I'll see what I'm at right now. Um, YouTube. Let's see. Oh, where am I? Where am I? Uh, 822 subscribers. So uh, yeah, at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter, I, I posted a little thread about it and some promises, basically. 
Um, I'm going to do uh, recaps of pay-per-view, recap shows. And I'm going to have a guest for either the breakdown or the recap. And either one or both, ideally, will be both video on the YouTube channel. But you know how circumstances are. Sometimes you, whether it's the recap or the preview, you can't get a guest or you can only record an audio. So I definitely want to leave myself those out and not make unrealistic promises. But uh, rest assured that uh, I'm going to start implementing those. Uh, I'm going to implement it before we get to 1,000. I'm just going to assume you guys are all going to help me get there, right? Right. And um, also, I know I've been promising to bring back the top five shows, but um, this one is a, is, a, is a really good one. I want to make sure I'm studying, and, and I just want, I have been in my free time and been going down multiple rabbit holes watching Japanese MMA from the 90s, as well as like old UFC events just all the way through for the shits of it, which has been fun. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do a pre 2000s with my man. Of course, that's why I had it written down earlier. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin at Combat. CHR for the Combat Chronicles podcast. Um, I got to double check. I, I, I was recently trying to make through, go through the five star ratings and reviews for for, for some podcasts, and uh, make sure I hit Kyle's up. Um, but yeah, and then I can't remember the uh, um, the third, which was I'll pull it up now. Sorry, uh, but uh, oh yeah, finally by top five. Oh, um, I'll finally start scheduling these these breakdown pods. And um, since, again, I, I am adding stuff on Twitter, and you guys should be following me there anyways and whatnot, and maybe, you know, if I get more active on Instagram, I'll, I'll go ahead and share it there. But since I will be sharing it through social platforms, slash possibly more platforms, um, but Twitter, at DanTomMMA, where I always post all my pics and this and that, um, um, you know... I'll just leave myself an out so I'm not, like, you know, pressured and this and that. Like, like I was tonight, which I still didn't get through because it's, like, 14 fights, which equals, you know, almost 30 fighters, right? That's that's a lot to divvy up, especially if you're actually really doing the work and stuff. And shouts to the people who do. I'm not the only person. Uh, there's definitely a lot of you uh, crazies uh, that have multiplied, like myself. So, respect. No hate. Respect. Um, but, yeah. Uh, crazy is what it is, though. Let's be honest, right? Come on now. Lastly, uh, I... Also, you know, we'll put together that, that that piece I keep promising, that Rodney Mullen GSP one. Trust me, trust me. But I definitely owe you guys now with this push. So thanks. Sorry for the shameless self-promotions. Let's get to uh, the recap. UFC 275. All right. Uh, we went 6-5 and five overall in picks. 0-1 parlay pieces. 1-1 in straight plays. Uh, two, three, and one in props. One and five in round flyers, and that one and five in the round flyers. Those round flyers, baby, saved my ass. Made for a winning night um, with you know the ads. So let's get to that and knock that out real quick. Yuri Prokashyuk defeated Glover to share in a title fight. Ah, just brutal. Of course, everything's kind of been said. It was brutal to see uh, it happen that way. Somebody asked me on Twitter for, and it'll get lost now. I'm sorry. I'm gonna shout you for. Um, a breakdown of that uh, with the no hooks in and whatnot. Um, when you're exhausted, you know, A, you don't need the hooks in to finish an RNC. Um, when you're off to the, almost to the side, it almost becomes like an RNC bulldog variation. Again, choke that can be finished. Um, against better people, not as much, but when you're in a fight, you're hurt, you're tired, um, you got to give that leeway there, right? Um, we've seen, you know, the Rodolfo Vieiras of the world, right? We, we, this is uh, this feels almost just like it, even though Glover is not 
accoladed in the gi of sorts uh, as a Vieira, but he is, you know, as far as MMA grappling goes. And, you know, he did Abu Dhabi Combat Club and wrestling and stuff, so obviously Glover makes sense that he translates really well to MMA. Yeah, he feels uh, of royalty, you know, BJJ grappling royalty of the sorts, right? So just very shocking, but that, that's how that's why opportunism is so dangerous um, in the hands of a, a very capable athletic martial artist fighter. Uh, you check all the boxes really for Yuri, you know, no hate, but uh, at the same time, why I also kind of do begrudgingly hate opportunism, because man, it just, it can snatch that feel good, and you know, he already got the feel good story, he got the title, sure. But, uh, you know, felt like this could be one last ride, and a lot of the opportunities were there. But I feel like uh, going back and watching, which I didn't get to go back and watch a lot, so I'm sorry. It's just hard to justify it again. I wasn't even able to get through this week's slot, folks. And, you know, if uh, your boy, I'll keep you abreast of employment opportunities. I'm still kind of sorting those, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking, waiting, all, all, uh, ain't hating, all, all all the I was trying to make a rhyme there I failed but yeah uh, it's late let's let's push through here Dan but yeah I'll, I'll keep you guys abreast of that but yeah my ass is like you know gonna have to look for more work out there which I do need to do um, yeah I gotta uh, gotta make sure um, I got my stuff prioritized so hard to justify to look back unfortunately um, but I feel like what's more worth breaking down were the escapes you know um, that Yuri was able to uh, you know kind of survive although they were gonna give each other opportunities to keep live throughout the fight uh, again i'm sure plenty of people have went through this but one of them this was a bodywork card it was all remember i went on the bodywork tangent i gave like all the different examples like it, we went ahead and like had all the different examples of this fight you know um and this is one where the bodywork that prahashka did um throughout carried and contributed to the end and that's what Glover was citing. John Hackelman also, back to the original question a podcast listener gave on the neck, um, cited Teixeira had neck issues. I don't know if it was lingering and got reactivated in the fight um, like he did to Jan Blachowicz or it was just neck issues that were created in the fight. I mean, it was a hell of a fight, right? Um, so really it was kind of a confluence, right, what I'm looking for? It was a combination of uh, all those things, so... Really hard to pinpoint or criticize uh, technique that, again, has shown to work, uh, is functional, and has even shown to work in the UFC, um, you know, uh, different to different extents. Um, <clears throat> but body work, baby. Uh, again, I'm not saying it for no reason. Um, and we'll hold that point for later as we get down. Valentina Shevchenko defeated Tyler Santos. Um... By split decision, um, you know, some people I respect out there were, were you know, upset with the Santos, um, not getting it, um, or thought she could have got it, right? And, uh, you know, regardless, you know, I, I, I think all I had was the over, so I don't know how much too much bias I'm speaking. You got to state your own bias on these things, right, folks? Um, <clears throat> whether we're, we're the, especially when we're making like, you know, these uh, arguments that should be action based primarily, right? So we're really what we're discussing here as far as scoring. Uh, I want to shout the couch side judges who had a very uh, level headed talk. They're really good as far as you know, um, scoring criteria talk being level headed. And, and again, I don't, I don't, you don't have to agree uh, with everything I say. They say. Uh, 
the 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 Sean Sheehan's of the world, uh, the, the the hardcore sticklers of criteria, um, and, and whatnot. Right? You don't have to always agree with every opinion, but um, you got to root your argument in the action. And <clears throat> regardless whether we like it or not, it's kind of the criteria that exists. And you got to kind of tether your arguments to said criteria. Now, um, I had it 48-47 Shevchenko. Uh, I told someone online who asked me how I scored. Again, I haven't really been committing too hard to score because I'm betting on a lot of these fights. I don't feel that it's the best to do. To put my, you know, I see the blue check mark, the MMA junkie. People just associate me with like some important media when I'm not, and will just you know take the scorecard to heart or it'll get reposted on a broadcast. Like <clears throat> I want to make sure I've come to respect uh, over time uh, judging and the judging role and how difficult it is to the extent that like I, I want to make sure that before I throw an opinion out there or uh, much less a score. Right, that is a strong statement without context to it, because you're just kind of throwing a score out there. <clears throat> I want to make sure I'm not, you know, you know, super inebriated, uh, distracted. Um, not that I'm ever super inebriated, but even inebriated, let's just say, right? Um, distracted, this or that, and I hold myself to that standard. So you don't see me throw scores out there too much, and I am distracted. Off, uh, to be honest, that. More times than not, I'm, I'm, my drinking's gone way down uh, lately uh, in preparation for this program and also because this program. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, um, I tried to throw out scores, but someone asked, and I was like, I think uh, two, four, five was my initial impression. And then on rewatch, um, I, I still felt that way. I was much more forgiving than Clemens Werner, who gave the 49-40s, not that I was threw any shade or anything in the first place, but, you know, I did see a lot of shade toward Clemens Warner for that one, and, <coughs> excuse me, um, and again, even though I don't, um, necessarily agree with certain parts of the wording of the criteria, much less how it's interpreted, um, whether by deduction of just looking at how the fight was scored and, 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 and seeing, okay, well, that must be how it was interpreted, or um, how some people, uh, you know, in in the media, uh, which I'll get to, um, tend to, I don't know if obtusely is the right word, but overly reductively interpret, which I think is a real trapping. You know, you've got half the people that are either like fighters or like old school fans, and I definitely come from this side of the fence, so I get it. Um, are really reluctant to even read or acknowledge the criteria and the fact that it's getting thrown around so much and um, we're actually seeing in the judge's defense, minus the 10-8 stuff for that whole Dana White reason from Blakowicz, Adesanya, um, outside of that, they've been, you know, the fights have largely been going to the right person, even with the rogue card and rogue score here or there, right? And they have also largely been u uniform as far as criteria interpretation, um, as far as immediate damage over cumulative, uh, although effective striking and grappling is written first. Um, so I don't know if it's like dog food, you know, is it like the ingredients that are written first are inherently valued more, right? <laughs> I don't know, judging criteria as a similar uh, uh, thing, but you know, it, it, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but you can really 
you know, you'd be surprised how much you can interpret you can interpret and twist words. That's why, you know, writing is very dangerous, and more language specialists, um, you know, uh, that's their primary primary argument with the criteria. Um, guys like John Anik, who I'm was really in line with him and Kenny Florian, by the way, on the Anik and Florian podcast. And by the way, my guy Aaron Brownstetter did, did a phenomenal job on his guest spot. Um, that was cool to see him get get get, uh, get some shine on well deserved shine on there. Uh, Aaron made some great points, and Aaron, even though he, uh, I don't want to say stickler to the criteria because we, we we all should be sticklers to the the criteria, right? But we uh, th- that being said, the criteria we can't pretend uh, it, it is a perfect document or uh, nor it is specifically written because it is not a perfect document. And the people who would argue or even wrote the document will tell you that it is purposely broadly written. And, uh, you know, or the people that follow and abide, you know, and represent that being the commission, judges, and whatnot, um, tell you it's written broadly for a purpose because it's not a perfect sport. It's a volatile, crazy sport that's really hard to pinpoint. We're still working on it, folks. Um, but um, at the same time, uh, Aaron can be like, you know what? Yeah, I, I agree it, with the way it's written and interpreted. Um, we can't... W- you know, we are seeing, uh, you know, it's fair to accuse it of being biased against grappling. Now, you can be like, well, it used to be, you know, uh, overly reward grappling. You know what? I would argue that's true. But does that make it right to overly reward the other way? Can we, God forbid, find middle ground? I know there's not enough one side or the other in this world, right? And right now, like I was saying, you got one side who's reluctant to acknowledge criteria. And then you got the other side who is knows the criteria, but and because it's human nature and whatnot, um, and and you know, like my guy Sean Sheehan will talk about you know jumping in my comments, um, you know, with some short answers there, and you know, kind of hitting me with some friendly fire. But I get it because you're getting people coming at you going, "What the fuck? Shut up with the criteria, nerd!" And like saying all the mean shit that I get to on the internet. You know, I get it. Um, and just like myself, again, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't acknowledge it. You know, when you, when you, when people go the other way, especially if you're wired like me, oh boy, do you want to lean even harder the other way from them, right? And, um, so I get that. That's human nature. But again, just like, I'm, I'm careful to levy a score because of what it means. And even though I, I, I kind of piss on my position with the shit that I talk on here and publicly, <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't respect in general, um, the positions of, of, of media and the positions of other positions as well. So saying that, I, I would warn my fellow media members of being too overly reductive with it and too, you know, um, of the, you know, of the, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I've been honestly getting sick of the, you know, the, the, the Sal Diamato memes and all the, 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 the like, there's so many judges that have had had suspect scorecards, including the judges that I like, or even if there's judges that you like, um, they would have turned in suspect scorecards too. You know, um, guys like Sal Diamato just work all the damn time, so he's he definitely turns in, or you know, we hear his name the most. Um, and I, for one, agree with him probably the least of most judges. But uh, even me, it's like I, I, I get it. I hate that thing too. But at the same time, again, at the same time. We can't pretend that judges are infallible. You know, we can't be that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Simpsons, a poo quickie mark mean where it's like sensible criticism 
uh, the judges, and then diving in front of it is like MMA media members who who love to, to love to tell you about all you know how they talk to judges all the time and know the scoring criteria, you know. And um, and I'm not trying to take a shot or whatever. I'm trying to talk to those judges as well and and whatnot. And luckily. Um, some of those MMA media members that I told you about are kind enough to share their sources because that is a, a real fickle thing too. People like to like, will brag about their information, but then you'll ask them for like a source and they'll be like, no, 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 no. And I get it or whatever, but it, it, it I always find it funny for me because you guys know how I'm wired for all my faults, uh, a fucking grifter, thief, uh, networker, much less even like politely doing networking the right way. Like none of those things are in my playbook. So I always laugh when like media members or colleagues of mine, like, are so reluctant to give me any, like, a, a basic, like, when it's, like, for a very basic, like, overt reason. It's like, I'm not trying to fuck you over, buddy. Um, but you'd be surprised, by the way. Uh, it, anyway, so I always kind of get antsy with that. But, like, um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I really, I, I, I really do, uh, am, I'm going to uh, follow up with that. And try to make contact, and again, not to brag, like, you know, oh, I've talked to, you know, and not saying other people are doing that. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's not to tout. I just genuinely want answers to these things because, um, you know, some of these things, uh, you know, it's, you know, uh, like not just, uh, you know, the body work thing, but, like, how about one of the, what was another thing that I brought up, folks, um, was leveraging shots, you know. Uh, people punching when they have their back taken. That was another thing with this. This, this episode is going to be longer than I thought, probably already. Uh, sorry, but like with the Santos and Shevchenko in, in the first round. And, you know, the reason why I don't give Santos the second round is because, uh, you know, she doesn't have the back or go for submissions and, and throw a lot of strikes or anything like that. And even though she doesn't throw a lot of strikes, when she has the back, she's going for submissions, you know, um, and she's in cranking position. And even though Valentina, you know, said she wasn't close, like, by the way, you know, I love Valentina, but you're not going to get a, 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 a good interview from her, or a good answer from her. She's like very like uh, just competitive and is going to say nothing hurt me. Nothing was this. Da 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 da. Um, I forget there was a point in like one of her pre-fight interviews where someone was like, oh, yeah, she said this. And you just saw like Valentina like try to like laugh it off but she did like the worst job she did like if an actress was like <laughs> like okay like you're this is an awkward uh teen comedy or dark comedy or whatever and you need to laugh something off of make it obvious you're laughing it off because you're super awkward and that's what she did um but yeah so it's always hard to tell from her answers but like and, and this is tough too because you've got people like um I respect that on podcasts who I know have trained all the way to former UFC world champions crediting these shots, right? Um, and my opinion is definitely shit to the latter, right? And I respect the opinions of both and everyone in between. But here's the thing, you know, and I tweeted this question. I'm like, when has anybody been stopped? I'm like, you know, wait, when has everyone even been hurt? And, um... Someone give me one example, and again, you know, my fault. I have I wasn't able to go back and see um, what uh, the fight was, but uh, someone referenced like one fight though, and I, although I didn't get to go back and see it, the point was, it was only like one fight. Um, is, is all anybody could think of, right? And I retweeted this, and still nothing. Um, and you know. 
I watched, I did watch this twice. Actually, I did this was the one thing I did go back and watch on Sunday morning. I went back to watch this through. And, you know, I heard people I respect say that, you know, they thought it was damaging and it got Santos off the game. But, like, she didn't even look visibly bothered on both my watch throughs. She didn't, it didn't deter any of her submission attempts. Um, all of her grips or the, if she ever let go of a grip, it looked very natural as in like a natural, like, okay, abort, let me pull away and then reattack kind of a hand thing. Like none of them seem to have to do much with the strikes. Um, were they harder strikes than most fighters can get off from there? And was she maybe pushing off the ground and can you maybe push off the ground if you have your back taken and you know, the back taker is between you and the floor and you've got some foot push leverage to add to the punch, I mean, I guess, sure, but, like, no one is, like, folks, like, punching across from you is super weak. That's the reason why you take angles to the weak side, right? Is because when somebody punches or punches across from them, it immediately takes power away. This is a rule of thumb for all martial arts, getting to the weak side. Um... And when somebody is having to punch across from them so much, they're having to punch behind them. And they're not even, their feet aren't even firmly planted on the ground. Like, what kind of power are you really getting there? Are we really having this argument? Now, I believe uh, a lot of, you know, I'm still open to a 49-46 because if you look at it, I don't think really any of um, Santos's offensive flurry that she kind of crashes in with lands cleanly everything's either checked evaded doesn't land clean um i think santos i want to say it's either santos or shevchenko like the most one of the most cleanest shots comes from one of them and it's a body knee um and neither argument it was probably the most effective shot in the round and Listening, seeing a bunch of different arguments for different fighters, no one cited that strike. And I feel like we're just, and again, it's a, it's, 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 it's a body shot. But again, those shots, in the, even if you're the one with the back to your cage, you know, those those knees to the body are are real brutal in there. Um, and they can quietly turn the uh, the tempo of a fight. No one even acknowledges that in their argument. And that's what I have a problem. I don't give a fuck who you even scored the round for, folks. But again, it's like, why don't we acknowledge the actual strike? We're acknowledging all these unleveraging strikes. You know, um, so, I mean, I, I want to say it's actually Shevchenko that lands the knee, the body knee too, as well. So it's like, you'd be giving her the round off that and the strikes on the ground. Now, don't get me wrong, the strikes are definitely annoying. And let's say um, there's a little bit more striking time where Valentina is able to maybe get off a couple more strikes, right? And we're in a more of an even round, right? And um, let's say the control time is... We'll give her another 30 or 45 seconds even of control time, but let's say she only goes for one clear submission, and the rest she's not even really even striking, right? So essentially, you've got Valentina out striking her, and then, you know, she's really inactive. She's got a, a decent chunk of control time, but she's really inactive. Maybe one submission attempt, right? Um, at that point, kind of like, again, Menafield William Knight, 
even though it's a much more dominant position than obviously than than pushing someone against the cage, the sole inactivity and early work in the round leaves the door open for you know if you want to cite those strikes as swing because you know you know uh, yeah she got the back but what did she do with it you know Valentina did more than she did with that position, um, you know and uh, th- then then I would I would be I'd be I'd be totally okay with that argument and again I'm, I'm i'm somewhat okay with it here again i'm not i'm not i'm on second rewatch like okay yeah maybe maybe clemens verner you know he's you know he's got a good eye and he saw that because you can always can't you always can't count on it even these quote-unquote statisticians you know we'll talk about it with gregory rodriguez and um his last fight uh, and how many leg kicks he checked but you look at the stats and you know they give credit pretty much almost all of them uh, for Petrosian, um, you got to be careful with those. But maybe Clemens Werner, he actually has an eye, and he saw things that were checked and blocked and that actually missed. One of my biggest complaints, you know. Am I really going to give crap to Clemens Werner for catching it live the first time, right? Um, and, and, you know, so maybe he saw that, and then he didn't weigh the submissions because he's very much leaning into, you know, um, the criteria and interpreting it in the way that bias is towards striking. And with the way the criteria is written, whether I agree with it or you agree with it, folks, well, he could justify that score. I didn't go that way, but he could justify it. I didn't agree with it, but he could certainly justify it under the criteria. I don't like it, but he can justify it under the criteria. So I hate to break it to people that were upset or saying Santos robbery. Um, if you took a shot on Santos as a better, I think you should still pat yourself on the back. I know there's no value in a losing ticket, but... Hey, man, you know what? You don't get many of these shots. Uh, you know, uh, the most inflated lines come in WMMA. Uh, you could blind bet these things as the dog and still justify it, and I really can't give you crap, right? But when the dog actually puts up a fight like Tyler Santos did, um, and she could have arguably won if they went to a technical decision, it would have been left to one cheeky judge not using the 10-10, knowing that, uh, wow, if I score this, I, I'm actually going to give the... I'm actually going to give the belt away with my scorecard, and they get scared. And you know, again, they could, if you know, if if they they felt they that they saw enough from in ten seconds of a round to judge it, they can make that argument. But um, that's what generally the ten tens are reserved for for these uh, you know uh, incomplete rounds um, to try to make it as fair as possible on paper, depending on context. So, you know, again, man, you weren't crazy for betting Santos. I still think you should pat yourself on the back. But I just warn anybody crying robbery here is all. Um, and, uh, again, I think the couch side judges do a, a great job. Uh, uh, Dan and uh, Scott, um, they have their own back and forth as far as the value of um those strikes and by the way i know i made fun of like body triangle but body triangle it should be in the conversation here too um and if anything you know as far as you know cumulative um to immediate you know it's it's a small percentage of the pie but it plays a uh, plays a percentage in both whether uh, the immediate uh tightening and securing a position and a potentially fight ending position whether it was strikes or submissions which was the choice of santos um, and cumulative for the potential effects of it, you know, um, down the line like body shots. But like a body shot, a body triangle can also end a fight, right? Poirier, Pettis, high fucking level fighters. It can end a fight. Um, 
perhaps freakish, but it's powerful enough to even be in the freakish department. Um, it would be freakish if someone finished a punch, punching someone who has their back. Um, sure, it would be in that, but again, back to my tweet. Has it ever been done? Can we shut the fuck up about it? I'm sorry. Can we shut the fuck up about it? Unless it's like the line, the, the round that I outlined, you know, or this or that. I mean, even I guess it plays in this line, so I, we can talk about it. Obviously, I'm just kind of sick of these, these fucking, uh, these fucking things. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't agree. And lastly, but not leastly, as I shout out the Couchside Judges podcast uh, and their very healthy discourse on the matter. Um, back to the Anik and Florian podcast. Kenny Florian had a great analogy. Uh, well, Anik just said, and I agree with Anik, where Anik's just like, I don't think we should count for shit either. Uh, I'm sure he probably sentiments me with that. But but Kenny Florian, again, championship-level fighter, analyst, BJJ black belt competitor, uh, brought up a, a great point, and he was just like, you know, and it, you know, okay, if we're going to move away from, we're going to treat it like a sport and, and abide by rule set, but at the same time pull the card wall to fight and damage is a fight, you know. Uh, for one, I'll add, Kenny didn't say this, but for people that are reductive and are like, you know, damage, damage, damage it's, it's impact in the criteria and impact, you know, um, yeah, definitely punches have impact. You know what else has impact? Having someone body trying you, take your back, put a bunch of pressure on you, tire you out, and make you, you know, and, and you become their fucking daddy on national TV. That's pretty damn impactful, too. Um... <laughs> But it's a fight. Yeah. Fights don't end in grappling. Pretty sure that before even jiu-jitsu was popular, you know, even back in the 90s, the stupid fucking bro science stat floated around, right? 99% of street fights end up on the ground, you know? But, you know, you're right, you know? that's It's just striking. It's just striking. Um, you know, um, you rear naked choke that she was going for, that certainly doesn't end fights. You know, how many UFC fights has that ended, right? <laughs> you know, uh, you want to say it's not a high percentage submission? It's 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 probably the most common one, right? Um, very proven, very proven. But let's let's talk more about punching behind us and how effective that is. <laughs> but but back to what Kenny Florian said, he's like, okay, you know, we want to talk about fighter, you know, this is that. Well, how about war? That's combat, right? That is the thing in combat. And in any form of war throughout all periods of time, if you get behind somebody, you fuck them up. They are fucked up. They can recover. Hell, maybe they can even stage a comeback and win, right? That's happened in war. That's happened in MMA. Sure, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's an end-all, be-all. But it's definitely not the fucking position you want to be in. There's a reason why my ass, even though I love turtle and have tactics to combat and make those turnarounds in a battle, I love doing that, but there's a reason why I get choked out more often than not and get yelled at by my damn coaches, okay? Because getting someone behind you is one of the worst things possible. What did, what did Yuri Prochaska say? You know, Glover said it was the body work that hurt him, and what did Yuri say? Um... And that's why I want to go back and break down his defense because his number one priority was not giving his back to Glover. Was not giving his back. Arm triangles we can get out of. Ground and pound, I'll let him mount me. We can maybe get out of that. He, he, he would be willing to take that. Did not want to give up his back because it's that damn devastating, folks. Um, 
And even if it is a happenstance scramble, it still takes skill and you still fucking earned being there. So you got to score it and uh, you got to score it uh, soundly when it's secured and effective. Impactful, if you will, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of, sorry, it's just a lot of my scoring points were shown and, and I, I would argue... I'd argue these are really good points to talk about here. Sean Whaley defeated Yoni and Jacek. Glad I added those. The sub didn't hit for plus 1,200, but that inside the distance did for plus three-something. I forget. Um, but, yeah, that was a shout-out to my uh, passed-away kickboxing coach, Tim Lane. You know, when you're out of position on a spinning attack or even a sidekick, they get off to your weak side. Um a way to, to 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 reset safely is is to spin again, not punch across your body the same motion as punching behind you when you have your back taken because it makes no goddamn sense. You go with the motion, baby, uh, and you uh, spin until it becomes a weak side no more, and you counterbalance yourself that way. Um, you don't do spinning back fists for flash. You do it with purpose. You do it for counterbalancing purposes. Um, props to Zhang Weili for that. And no hate to Yoni and Jacek, by the way. Um, definitely felt for her in her speech. My, my man Aaron Bronstetter had a, a very cool thread on a personal interaction and how Yan Jacek helped him. But, man, after all the fucking bullshit, um, you know, uh, you could argue she beat Rose and just all the, you know, Rose twice and then Yoana before that and having to deal with all the xenophobic, racist... Slant eye memes, uh, communist memes, all the, you name it, uh, she dealt with it. Um, so it just felt real good to see Zhang Weili get a win and remind everybody what's up. Um, Jake Matthews, Jake, Jake Matthews, showing out for Australia and he defeated Andre Filaho, baby. Shooter McGavin and then the Happy Gilmore Filaho. That's him. That's what he does. He's, he's going around. He's the man in black. But like I said, the Donald Cerrone impression can only go so far. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure if Matthews was going to grind out a decision with his grappling or find a finish early. Um, but And I thought it was going to be a club and sub. So I, I did see the striking, and I talked about the striking, but did I expect him to stay dedicated to the striking and to look that good? Um, no, apparently he's been working with Mark Hunt's gold coach, which explains a lot of those counter dipping hooks off the cage. You guys, you, you see that? It was like kind of like a Bigfoot Silva Mark Hunt one in Brisbane. Um, so man, Jake Matthews and, uh, uh, shout out to my guy. This is where I want to shout out my guy at diehard MMA pod, Clint McLean, man. Uh, he's been killing it. Uh, well, he's always killing it, I think, but you know, the way Clint deserves a shout, um, I saw him on KO, which got my attention because I was like, wow, okay, someone's on Matthews. That doesn't surprise me, right? He was a pretty popular dog, as he should have been. But um, I didn't see anybody really mentioning the striking angle. So I was like, wow, okay. Um, shout out to my man Luca Fury, too, as well. I know Clint had him on, but I didn't catch their breakdown of this fight. Um, but like, uh, I, I saw that. I was like, wow. And then he had round two, and I was like, well, that makes sense, actually. Um, and I was like, you know what? Well, he might get it done in round one, though. And I'm like, round one and round two are his finishing rounds. I don't want to sweat 
having to decide between KO, even though it's a juicy number, and I totally see how, how Clint got there, and it's part in my analysis, but I, I thought it was going to be club and sub. Do I really want to sweat what the outcome is? And uh, what was I getting? I think I was getting like, what I add? was the Matthews? Plus 1,000 round one, and then plus 1,400 round two. So, oh, yeah, I was just like, let me just take some flyers on the rounds. He can get it done whatever way he can. And if it's by decision, I still make it back on the money line play, right? Um, and uh, Matthews saved the day. Jake Matthews saved the day. Right there, that was just beautiful. Um, Jack De La Madalena defeated Ramazan Amiv. Uh, his finishing rounds are usually two and three. He's been getting better in round one, but, you know, I didn't expect it. Um, but Ramazan sold out for a sub, and as soon as he put down the pack, De La Madalena picked it up. And uh, when you're trying to catch your breath and take a body shot, and it's a liver shot. Oh, you're donezo, son. You're donezo. It's funny. It was hitting body shots before that. And I was actually midway typing, like, um, smart of uh, Della Madalena to go to the body because it's going to prevent, um, it's going to provide his counter wrestling defense as well as set up fight changing offense. And it did. And even then, so the finish, uh, the fight changing offense was yet another body shot. Mm hmm. Again, you know, um, the body, baby. The body, you know? We were working on a a, a passing ground and pound drill and uh, Justin Jane's um, uh, former UFC lightweight there showed a position, like Khabib-like position for ground and pound with a wrist trap. And it's showing that you hit the body there. It's done. He just kind of like would barely tap the, the person he was demonstrating on under the body. And they like felt it just from a tap because they, they had him extended out and there was no protection there. And um, Justin was going, believe me, it sucks. I would rather have them hit me in the head here. And if you guys start competing, you'll understand when people say, I'd rather get knocked out than, than, than be hit in the body in some of these positions. And these are fucking fighters. These are fucking tough, cowboy-esque fighters. Okay? Um, again, folks, the body shot is real. Um, and we don't always know. Like, with, it's not always as obvious as the Amiv. It could be like Teixeira Prohashka, right? Um, so, you know, uh, you know, so you know, we'll, we'll get to it. I, cause I didn't get to watch it, but I believe people were, were upset with the opening fight with, uh, Jocelyn Edwards versus Romana Pasquale, um, where Edwards, you know, it, it's hard because Edwards won the fight off of body work cause she just was spamming body teeps and apparently it was a really weird fight. But in the first round, Ramona Pasquale is clearly the more damaging fighter, um, by damaging or getting her to double over with a body shot. Now, this reminded me from description from what I was reading. I didn't see it of Andre Ull, uh, Jonathan Martinez, one of my favorite examples. But again, there's plenty of examples of fights um, where you can accuse maybe it was the body work that was the difference. You know, you look at fights where they're like, you know, and stats don't mean anything, but, you know, and this is just an offhand, but there's plenty just because it's a, with the closest within reach. Way Lee, Joanna won. You know, Joanna landed more strikes or this or that. It's like, it wasn't that, she, you know, why'd you lose? Like, you know, it's like you're looking at the wrong stat. Look at the body work. Joanna landed much, a lot of her strikes uh, were was body work, and she certainly landed and threw way more body work than Wei Lee. And what's easier to judge? Shots to the head, right? And I get that. And we shouldn't. We should want to make things easier, not harder. 
you know, and again, shouts to John Anik on the Anik Forging podcast. He asked about that biases for grappling and striking, and uh, he said a high-level judge who we will not name said essentially uh, the obvious answer, which I wish the criteria not friends that I love you and I shout your shows and you're great, but I wish you guys would acknowledge this because that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying judges are dumb. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they don't. But you, you can't, you know, you, you know. Sometimes it's just you know human human. Uh, what's subconscious, conscious, uh, human nature, right? Human nature to see the flashy stuff when I talk about these things, right? Human nature to see the headshots over the body. I understand these things. I'm just trying to simply get them acknowledged, right? Rather than fucking play this my side versus your side while the actual landed effective work is not even getting fucking acknowledged. I don't care what side you end up on. Let's have a fucking reasonable discussion about it, you know? And, um... When I tweeted and asked this, because again, I didn't want to jump on, not that it's my style to jump on the judges anyways, right? But but even at that, even with just an opinion, whether I'm not jumping on someone or not, uh, I, I got excited and I wanted to jump all over my point. Because I'm like, oh shit, is my point getting proven? It sounds like it is from the tweets I'm reading from people I respect, but I didn't see it. So let me get some clarification. So I'm not going to have time to rewatch it. Who knows when, right? Um, fights are live and I'm doing stuff. So it's like, shit. Um and uh, and you know I got I got some reasonable uh, explanations in there, and and again, man. By the way, shouts to the Severe MMA podcast, great podcast. I shout them all the time. Shout out my guy Sean Sheehan. Last podcast, I tip my hat cap to him. I always always do, but uh, you know he he's also one of and I'll tell this to him if uh, you know if he, if he ever wants to have me on his show or this or that. Uh, I know I'm not, again, I'm not, and it's cool, I don't want it, I fuck, I have enough to do, I'm, 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 I fucking, I don't give a shit, I've got a fucking ego, uh, I don't need association, but at the same time, I wish I was in these conversations, because this whole scoring shit reminds me of why I got into MMA media in the first place, it's because there's not enough people who come or have the same uh, understanding as the as, you know, from the martial arts side of things, and whilst the people from the martial arts side of things are equally obtuse, reductive in their own ways, right? Where they're on the other side of the fence, we don't have enough people in the fucking middle bridging this gap, um, and that's the only acknowledgement you know that I kind of want there. So, and I'd be more than willing to tell this to Sean, but you know, I got a shitty show that no one's listens to, so um, I guess I'll, I'll I'll say it here. And I talked to him about it too, but he just you know it's 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 not the place to get into an argument. And again, I didn't see the fight. What am I going to argue about? Nor am I trying to argue. But um, I think John, I think Sean thought I was, uh, you know, coming at the judges or criticizing the judges. You know, we can't have that. They're infallible, and so was the criteria. <laughs> I love Sean, but he can be a little bit guilty of that Simpsons Apu mean, where it's like sensible criticism to judges. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, my man Sean Sheehan justifying every move over there via the criteria. And again, you tell the criteria, I'm all ears. It's all good, and more people should, right? And again. Uh, if I'm going to pick a side, you know, you got to read the criteria, folks. If anything, I'm on their side. But again, we we can't be just reductive and like, you know, no, 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 criteria, criteria, no, 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 damage, no, no. I see this this way, and um, you know, kind of, I kind of was a, you know, I'm sure he didn't mean it that way, and he tried to elaborate further, you know, um. But uh, I think Sean was just like, he's just like, of course they're, of course they are rewarded if it's effective. I'm like, you know, it's like, that's kind of a really reductive and borderline smart-ass answer, I would dare say, because, um, of course, 
of course they're going to uh, reward effective body work, you know, in theory. But even the best well-meaning judges maybe don't always do it. And a lot of times it's just open for argument because, again, shout out to my guy Casey Lydon bringing up the obvious point in the room that's controversial and shouldn't be, yet not many people acknowledge is, hey, unless we're in there, we really don't know how things feel. We're just fucking guessing, folks. Um, you know? And, um, and yeah, if a fighter fucking doubled over and wasn't credited, and granted it was only by one judge, and granted, like the Martinez-Uhl decision, it was by a judge who was clearly a rogue judge who fucked up multiple cards that night, and it shouldn't, but unfortunately does end up reflecting unfairly on the other judges, right? So how fair is it for me to bring up these specific ones where you can tie it to the Judge Solis or um, Joe Solis to these uh, Judge Demetrio, which is the one in question in 275 for a lot of the questionable cards, right? Um, sure, granted. And But again, I'm not coming at the judges specifically. My point is whether it's judges, media, fans, body, unless it's fighters. Fighters are great at it, which is why the broadcast ends up being good because you got a lot of fighters in there. Um, but, but fans, media, and in these close decisions to even these really bad scorecards... Body work just it was a, is a common culprit. Again, we went through different varying of air quote bad decisions to actual bad decisions in my top five judges. Uh, bad, bad scorecards with Scott with, with with Scott Fontana on the Protecting podcast it was our last top five episode. And these aren't crazy things to say, folks, but a common culprit in a lot of the things that had people confused. Well, there was a lot of things. There was. There was blood and, and superficial damage, and the judging on how you know how much was that. You know, how much were they really damaged? How much was it like the Darren Elkins or Michael Challenge of the world who just bleed when you look at them, right? Um, body language, being tired, tired being mistaken from hurt, both being negative and taking away from the actual good work the fighter was doing. Arguably enough work to win the round, right? Uh, body work, um, as far as, you know, quality work being done, um, not being rewarded, you know, these examples that I just recently cited where the, you know, the fighter was clearly hurt. Fighter hurt most in the fight, closest to getting a finish, was from body work and yet seemingly ignored because you have no other reason to, ass- again, not hunt these judges down when I'm saying this, but I'm just saying you have no other reason to assume that body work was ignored when fucking Andre Uhl or uh, Jocelyn Edwards, apparently, I didn't go back to see, you know, wince, grab their body and turn away. Like we're we're not rewarding that, you know. Again, where's the where's the damage? Where's the damage crowd? You know, where, where are you guys at? Um, you know, and by the way, you know, people do in the damage crowd did cite this fight. I'm not calling everybody out, but you get what I'm saying here. Let's keep that same energy, right? Um, that's all, and just you know, and then you know, and, and again, I love Sean, but later he was just like, "What what fight are we talking about here?" I'm like. Uh, it's like which round are we talking about? What fight are we talking about? Like what? Will Martinez or um, the uh, uh, you know, uh, or uh, uh, Pascal Edwards, you know? And and I thought I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm having to ask this, I'm like, does he even know what fight I'm even talking about? And he just he just came, you know. Uh, so <laughs> again, I'm not trying to fucking start shit with a dude I respect here, but I'm just saying comes into my comments not knowing what fight I'm talking about to argue on behalf of the judges. If that's not, you know, the Apu Quickie Mart meme, um, <laughs> I don't know what is. 
And, I, I, you know, I, I love Sean. He does a fantastic job, which is why I, I constantly give him shouts. It's probably, like, first time I'm criticizing the guy, really, to be honest. Um, but, like, again, I think, he, you know, he's getting a lot of deserved credit, as he should. He's been putting the most work than any of the other media people as far as scoring, and he deserves that distinction. But um, as this is becoming more of a topic in general, and um, as he becomes someone to, to point to, I just will say, and I, I'll get no problem saying this to his face, is that, like, you know, I, I just, I, I would warn him and, and everybody else, and I've been keeping the same energy. I've been saying this, but I just, I'm saying to Sean specifically because he, he specifically came into my comments and provided a perfect example of it. Um, it just, let's be careful not to be reductive with it. Let's be careful not to be reductive, especially when the top two ingredients are effective striking and grappling. And maybe it doesn't matter which one or what thing is written first in what order, you know, as, as compared to the dog food example, you know, but, um, again, man, you got to know what the fuck you're looking at at the end of the day. I appreciate tools and we should give the judges more tools. I'm all for that. We shouldn't make it hard. But making it too easy and too reductive to this damage argument is um, really dangerous because even my beloved body shots, I can't tell you how exactly how everyone hurts. I don't claim to, by the way. I just, God forbid, actually acknowledge them like few people do. Um, but if we go too far down that rabbit hole, whether you want to be you know, a damage boy or actually use the word that's using the criteria, which is impact... Both damage and impact are subjective as hell, folks. You know what's not subjective? Taking someone down, taking their back, and making them say fucking daddy, baby. Uh, even if not making it look like you're your daddy. You know what I'm saying? That ain't subjective, folks. That's fucking work position. That's physical proof. So, it's very demoralizing uh, as well. Um, and if they're not doing anything with that, I think everybody should be throwing strikes more, even if they're going for subs. But even if they're just going for subs, if they're going for subs and actually getting things that qualify as catches, um, and I will count a, a, a solid catch around the chin for a crank, especially someone has a body triangle, you can finish a fight from that if you, if you uh, know what you're doing and get the proper leverage. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, we need we need to be a little more open to the context of around there. Uh, and on the other side, people score, people need to say robbery less. And if you're someone who says robbery, go check out the scoring criteria, folks. It's not hard to read. I definitely agree with my media compadres who I probably just pissed off a good portion of. Um, I'm going to go make sure I, I left a severe MMA podcast, a five-star rating and review because they deserved it before that. But now I feel bad for criticizing my guy. But I, again, folks, I just, I, I got to criticize the word, you know. You know, I, I, I'm not one to bow at the church of anything. Nothing is infallible to me. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, all right. Uh, Josh Kulabau defeated Sung Woo Choi. This was another uh, fight uh, I got wrong. Um, I bet on Choi, and even I, did, there's no way I scored that first round for him. Um, I know he recovered, returned, looked to hurt him too, but... And I know, you know, knockdowns aren't all created equal, nor should we, you know, treat them like a boxing all, you know, thing. But, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I 
I cannot score that. And I bet Choi. So that was bad. Uh, again, I keep that same energy, folks. The same energy. Uh, Brandon Allen defeated Jacob Malkoon. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm totally okay with Brandon Allen winning, obviously, through criteria. Um, not a lot of damage done. He kept scrambling, which did, to uh, Malkoon's defense, Allen kept scrambling, which made it hard for him to strike. But yeah, man, if you can't get off good strikes or you weren't, you know, securing backs and uh, really hard submission catches and the like, then, you know, I don't blame a judge for going Allen. Um, I didn't watch, so I had a lot of timeline influencing me. And, um, you know me, I not only do I state my bias, but I will, if anything, counter away from the counter uh, away from the bias, you know, like I'd like overly correct the steering wheel, right? And I'll be like judging my guy harder. And in fact, most people are like being very favorable to the fighter they judge on. Like, no, I do the opposite, right? So if you sense a little hesitation, that's what it was. It wasn't because I disagree with the scorecard or anything like that. I wasn't trying to add to the misinformation, you know, because again, you got everybody upset at the judges and then you got the other side of the people who get upset at everybody who is upset at the judges and then you have some people in the middle that are just in the middle and they're like not even trying to be harmful you know in my case and you know i'll still get shit for like saying those things uh misha tady uh mahashate defeated steve garcia oh wow it's crazy you know again not to uh this is probably why i don't uh get invited on things and you know maybe find myself uh let go of certain places or whatever. I don't know. Um, you know, you know, this behavior doesn't help. You know, I posted that Jake Matthews thing, you know, listen, I didn't say any, uh, I didn't say any places, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, saying I had a winning night, you know, um, uh, maybe I didn't even say that. I don't know. It was very, it was a very general tweet, you know, um, all I will say is that, uh, people that may or may not have been cited in that tweet who had a losing night were like motherfuckers I never heard of in my life because they cover multiple different sports, but one of them cl claimed to be on a 15-0 and UFC betting run. I was like, really? I've never heard of you in my life, motherfucker. 15-0 and on bets? Like, what the fuck? Even if you were betting the chalkiest of chalk, that's still damn impressive considering the big upsets we've had and just the sport, right? It doesn't matter with big upsets we had. There's no such thing as safe and a 15 and no run on anything. 15 and not missing no matter what. That's that's really hard to do. And it's also really hard to believe when that person's best bet is a straight play on Steve Garcia. <laughs> Minus 310 in the whole card. So I'm sorry to shit on people, but goddamn. You gonna make it that easy? You know what I'm saying? You know? I'm like I'm like Bill Murray just like in like Rushmore like rejecting the kid like while I'm taking a call like just rejected slap get that shit out of here 15 and 0 in bets in UFC bets and your best bet is Steve Garcia by chalk holy fuck beware the articles out there folks beware those who don't show their work beware articles that read like they just wrote a wikipedia and then they disagree with the betting line without even stating any work they can't even do the mathematic line portion which i do respect that those kind of stats and numbers folks and those people who do that but yeah tisk tisk all right um kyung ho kong defeated dana bad badri um congrats to the kang betters i was too afraid from his fight iq that's why i picked dana but stayed away um, Silvana Gomez Juarez defeated Lan Liang Na. Man, I'm glad uh, 
I got scared away from, or uh, not scared away, but the, the lines got bet down on the sub props for Liang Na. So I was pondering on taking a shot. But the only person to take a shot was Liang Na. Hope she's okay. And then, of course, we already talked about Jocelyn Edwards defeating Ramona Pasquale. Um, but yeah, uh, anyways, uh, so let's go to the. How long did that fucking take? Wow, 103. <laughs> All right, long episode. We'll see if we go short for the breakdowns here. UFC on ESPN 37, UFC Austin. All right. We'll go. We got Calvin Cada minus two thirty. Josh Emmett plus one ninety five. Shouts to Brendan Fitz, uh, Fitz Nation. Really good story on Josh Emmett, man. Like, holy shit. Like, I don't know. It, it, I always love these stories. It makes me more endeared to the fighter. I'm definitely more of a fan of Josh Emmett now. After listening to that podcast, but in picking against him here, uh, main event in depth breakdown. MMAJunkie.com should be up. Ended up going with Cater inside the distance, but obviously, um, aside from, obviously Josh Emmett, despite being an underdog, is the bigger threat inside the distance. Cater more likely to win by decision. Um, And I know Emmett has gone five rounds outside and been successful of the UFC. That was a while ago, and I know he trains hard. Does seem like a freakish athlete, and I would not be surprised for him to retain his power. But... um, you know, at least in his last fight against Ige, I actually scored it for Ige again as well, going through it. And not by much. It's close, close fight. Um, but uh, uh, the pace and whatnot, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't see him being the freshest. I could see him maybe still holding some freakish power and having moments in rounds four or five, I meant for sure. But uh, pace and form, I think, would go to Cater. Cater is going to be his, like, what, fourth five-rounder in a row. Um, not sure he's going to want to go all five, but I'm sure he will be prepared to. And I got to imagine they saw the success both Dan Ige and Shane Burgos had with jabbing and working the body, two things Cater can do. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to go with Cater. I can't help but see him, um, kind of doing one of those, like, uh, kind of similar, like, um, Holloway Aldo or even maybe like Holloway Volkanovsky. Uh, as far as uh, there was like an initial one-two shot to kind of get him to slip and dip to his right. Uh, as Volk did when he was getting caught by Max in the early on in the second fight. And as uh, I was Jose in the first fight. Uh, round three, I believe, or whatever. That thing gets sparked off. He kind of just slips and then kind of, you know. I, I could see Cater doing that or even fainting it out. And then hitting him with a long right hand in round three is the official pick. Um, but not only does uh, Emmett have uh, knockout power, I think you have to watch out for him from Southpaw because people from Southpaw stance have had uh, success with Cater. And then Josh Emmett, that's how he was able to equalize the score against Superior Boxer and Shane Burgos. Hitting a lot of guys more with his left hand in general from both stances. Um, getting a better feel for it, working with a lot of pro boxers. That being said, the height, the reach is just going to be huge. And again, the jabbing and potential even body work dynamic here, um, I think favors Cater. If anyone does wrestling, I think it favors Cater because it'll only tire Emmett. Emmett says wrestling's really tired, which is probably why he doesn't do it. 
Um, so that alone too makes me more suspicious of his. You know, when people have things they don't want to go to, you know, chances are they're not a pace fighter, which he's not. He fights off the back foot. He likes to counter, right? Um, so you have the volume edge for Cater, but the power edge visibly for Emmett, even though Cater will be hitting hard too and will potentially have a finishing ability. In fact, I went ahead and sprinkled on Cater. Round 3, plus 1,200, 0.17 unit. Round 4, plus 2,000, 0.10 unit. Round 3, I used a free play, but it was for 0.10 unit, 10 ducats at plus 3,300. That's all I got on that. So small exposure. Um, but, you know, if any of those hit, I think they're like two unit pop returns. So uh, it makes up for what we're exposing. Um, if one of those hit, which is nice. All right, next fight, Donald Cerrone minus 165. Uh, Joe Lozon plus 140. Uh, Pick Cerrone and stayed away from the first one. You know, it was either going to be Cerrone by decision or Lozon round one. Or, you know, uh, Lozon or Cerrone maybe, you know, later. You know, that was kind of the basic dynamic. But um, now that it's been rebooked, uh, and even though the crowd would actually probably favor Cerrone, especially, you know, not just Texas crowd, but just the crowd in general, over a guy who's gonna, you know, gas and maybe the energy will take hold of him, Lozon. But uh, Cerrone, like, kind of like I've been trying to, an angle been trying to fade since the Alex Hernandez. He just hasn't been looked healthy since cutting a lightweight all the way back then. Um, and he's well, obviously was showing signs of being shot and has kind of really gotten right to that edge, much closer than Lozon is. Um, you know, it looks like, and Cerrone just looks old in multiple ways, man. Looks old, sounds old, just. And I'm not a hater on that, you know. I'm not trying to hate here. But just I usually don't, you know, like or play up that angle. You guys know me, but man, it just seems bad. And the fact that he was the one with issues from the weight cut and stomach, and maybe it was something he ate, you know, tapioca, tacos, whatever. But like the fact is, he just seems really fragile. That body is fragile in many ways, right, folks? We know this already. Joe Lozon knows this. And this is another angle I'm kind of going with this week, and it's one of my favorite angles dating back to one of my biggest bets for Doom over Cain Velasquez, is that when a fighter fails to show up multiple times uh, or, you know, really owes it to, to show up and really made a promise, you know, promised Joe Lozano, I'll show up no matter what. Uh, and, and Donald Cerrone has showed up before. And to his credit, he's won before when he hasn't looked good, you know. Um, he's also lost before when he hasn't looked good. Um but he shows up, right? Um, and, and and he'll fight. Um, but that's the thing. So that's 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 the real bad thing. No matter what shape he in, he's in, you know, Cerrone's showing up, which would be great for Joe Lozon. Um, I was gonna play the Lozon money line, but what hesitated me from that is a, it's a co-main event, so I can see how I'm doing before I want to play that. There's no lead to like play a sketchy underdog in a sketchy fight. You know what I'm saying? And then two, in Joe's interviews, I feel like, again, for all the reasons I stated, he should have a quiet advantage going into this. But he seems just emotionally pissed, you know. And I don't know how that's going to be uh, work for him or not, you know. Just that he had to do the long camp. And, he just, just you know, he's still really hung up on that. And I don't like that. Whereas, you know, Cowboy, his Matthew McConaughey vibes are probably helping him in that regard, you know. He's winning that battle at least, right? Hey, man, yeah, I'm just here to have a good time. Um, so that kind of scares me. So, um, what I did is I got a really good number or, uh, you know, well, actually it is really good cause it opened uh, smaller than this. Um, you can't get this, uh, in, in all houses and not, it's not this high, but, uh, 
And my bookie, I got round one plus five fifty for Joe Lozon. I just put twenty bucks on that, you know, for a hundred and ten dollar return. Um, so unit return if Lozon gets it done. If we're up by then, I'll actually throw money on Lozon money line, maybe like half a unit or a whole unit, depending how we're doing. Um, all right, um, and Lozon is the official pick inside the distance. Knockout. Kevin Holland minus two eighty. Tim Means plus two thirty five. This line is too wide. You know me, man. Oh, I hate making a pick on this fight. Wanted to pick Tim Means really bad here. And here's what I ended up doing. Um, it's hard because I do like Kevin Holland, too. I even said some nice words about uh, the Train Alta group recently. But, um, man, uh, you know, I, I like where Kevin Holland's at. I like how he looked at 170. Um, you know, I like that he didn't talk uh, with the um, Alex Oliveira fight. A fighter that brings it to him doesn't really give him time to talk, and I think that's what we're gonna get here. And that you know, Tim Means bring it to him could actually do him well. Kevin Holland sounds like he did his homework on Tim Means, which is really impressive. Sounds like he really respects Tim Means, which worries me because it's like this would be a spot where it's like, oh, I hope Kevin Holland takes Tim uh, sleeping on Tim Means, and Tim Means reminds everybody, you know, what's up. But uh, Tim Means, even though he was in some bad, there were some bad conditions from injuries to personal tragedies, uh, and he looked like in really bad shape when he took those losses, and even though he's only been getting older and he's 38 now, if you look at his last three fights that he's won, he actually looks a little tighter in each fight, and he's been coaching wrestling, and he's been grappling more. Um, he's definitely going to grapple here. Tim Means has been grappling a mi- uh, more for a minute. Most people don't pay attention to it for whatever reason, and I could see why Tim Means gets pissed. I remember when he got pissed at the George Sullivan fight, you know, at the journalist not talking enough about his ground game, and, like, I figure people, like, knew by then, but, like, I'm seeing a bunch of people questioning, like, what, why, why would people think Tim Means are going to grapple with this or that? And, and maybe he won't. Maybe he won't even get a chance to. But you know what? Even if he loses this fight, and I'm officially going to pick Kevin Holland here, um, Tim Means will grapple early, man. He'll shoot early. Um, not only that, he's been shooting when he gets hurt, which is smart. And he hurt someone, I think Dalby, in his last fight and then shot. And, you know, people were getting upset, and people didn't like that he, you know, spent the last, maybe whether he was getting tired or hurt or combination of both, he spent the last last of it clenching against the fence. Well, he actually throws offense when he's clenching against the fence, but granted, yes, it's boring, but he will score in his defense. But I'm like, you know what? As boring as that is, and as questionable fight IQ of going for the takedown when you hurt somebody, um, all those things are actually really good in this contest for Tim Means, right? Because you don't want him hurting him, getting excited, and then Holland comes back. Because Holland's hard to finish, you know? Especially with strikes. He seems like he's done, and then he's like doing wacky tube inflatable arms guy, you know, and he's knocking you out, you know? Uh, he did early in their career to Jeff Neal. That's one of the more standout welterweight strikers, guys who can counter, southpaw. Um, analog matchups, but you also got to remember that was really early on in their career. That was at a catch weight. It was a really weird fight that, like, Neil was winning, and then it looks like he, like, checks out of it, not to take away, right? But a lot of Kevin Holland's fights are weird. Like, Kevin Holland is 6-2-1 officially against UFC-level southpaws, but, you know, he 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 lost the fight. He probably lost the fight to Mearshart, if we're being honest, right? Um, and then he lost, he already lost the fight to uh, so he's probably, you know, so he's arguably like what, like three and four, or what am I saying? Four and five, five and four against UFC Southpaws, six, two and one, but he could read his five and four, you know, 
the Dacus fight, depending on how that's called. Mearshart fight, right? And these are a lot of the recent Southpaws. He's actually lost to he's lost to the bulk of the recent Southpaws he's fought. Um, you know, granted, Vittori and Brunson largely wrestled him, sure. But again, Means going to try to do that too here. He's not going to have the small cage. And even though Means is looking better and his wrestling's been better and he's underrated and his technical striking is so sick. Like, go watch that Nico Price fight. It's so disgusting that he loses that fight. Oh, he does some of the most fucking coolest shit before just getting leveled. But since then, Means, means is durability. You know, the guy that got hit in the face with a shovel, shot in the leg, and still threw the guy through the window. Like... As it makes sense, that guy's got a lot of miles in and out of the cage on him. And even looking in better shape, even getting wins, right? He's still getting hurt in a lot of these fights, in almost all of his recent fights. And I just feel like that Holland, his opportunistic, accurate laser beam right hand, the way he's taking him serious, the way he's taking things more seriously in general, um, I feel like he's, he, he's going um, he's gonna to get a knockout here. Uh, and Tim Means can finish too don't get me wrong you know he's really fucking mean hence the name right um he could you know get a force and accumulation stoppage or beat him up so bad that you know on the ground that holland get turns and gives his back or shoots into something and memes lo- means locks up that way i mean these both these guys both could finish each other off with front headlock jokes um so i'm going to officially pick holland my heart's with means but i'll tell you the one bet i couldn't turn down in this fight uh, if this does go to decision, yes, you know, if I'm picking Holland via impact damage to turn that into a finish, well, uh, if it goes to the decision, should he not then be more the impact, more impactful fighter? Perhaps, but if he's not rocking means or even getting a chance to hit means because means is hitting takedowns and means actually scores from the top or he's clenching and means actually scores from the clench and or means is doing his thing and actually just looking like vintage fucking means and just lighting Holland up on the feet which could be very well happen. It's just it's a very dangerous proposition because the longer he's there and if he's doing well, he can get knocked out. Well, if it goes to the decision, I think that has means all over it. And uh, I saw means posted decision plus 500. Well, again, another $20 I, didn't wanna, I don't want to see again. Shouts to the co-main event podcast. Uh, on Lowe's Allen round one for close to the same odds, plus 550. Well, for plus 500, I just threw $20 on there for a possible unit return. We'll see. I don't know. Albert Durai at minus 225. Joaquin Buckley plus 190. I'm going with Durayev here to get it done by sub either round one, early round two. If he doesn't get it done by then, he's in trouble. Sure enough, he could also get knocked out by then. The guy has been finished by KOs when he does lose. He's even you know, lost a guy like Ramzan Amiv, a fight I recently went back to rewatch uh, as my, by the way, uh, streak on Amiv is undefeated as far as that guy picking that guy's fights. Um, he is not Volkov when it comes to the Russians. Uh, but, yeah, um, that scares me, you know. Um, word on the street is, uh, of course, Durayev owned Buckley over at Extreme Couture in their training sessions. Um, but uh, is Durayev going to do what he did last time against Kopilov? I would hope not. I would hope my guy Eric Nixik, uh, who has been working firmly on the pads, also was you know, in his year about getting smart. But... You know, uh, just like a guy we'll talk about, Roman Delize. Um, Eric was trying to tell that guy to fight smart too, but some of these guys are just fucking cowboys. You can have the best cornermen in the world, and Eric is one of those. Don't matter, folks. These guys are going to do what they're going to do, so you can't overly count and overly criticize the corners in a lot of these decisions here. Um, 
And speaking of Extreme Couture, let me tell you about, let me tell you guys a story about two guys at Extreme Couture where one owned the other and you just, you know, you know, anointed himself daddy over him in the room. But that's not how the fight played out, you know. There's this guy named Mike Pyle. You guys might have heard of him. And this fresh-faced, I know, he's the veteran. He's the oldest guy in the division now, in the welterweight division. But at the time, Matt Brown was just coming off the ultimate fighter. Um, And I remember seeing him when I used to sneak in before the general classes, and I would catch the last half hour. They were nice enough to let me in because I wasn't an obnoxious person. And I was really respectful, so they'd let me watch sparring. So I'd watch, like, Evan Dunham versus Gray Maynard, Martin Campman, Jay Haran, like... Fucking golden, golden era UFC times, golden era Extreme Couture, right? Extreme Couture is doing great now, and I'm just saying this was their golden era, their first one, right? Uh, many to come, but this was their first one. And uh, I was like, whoa, the guy, Amir Stahl and Matt Brown are here. Wow, I saw those guys in the Ultimate Fighter because uh, I, I still watched it back then. In fact, that was probably one of the last uh, seasons I did watch. And Mike Pyle would push Matt Brown's shit in so badly and that was definitely the word on the street and i was like oh fuck people oh yes mike Pyle was on his on a win streak right you know he 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 he, uh he beat john hathaway was putting these young guys in their place right across the pond now he's back fighting fighting a fresh-faced tough guy Uh, it was like the opening fight on the fox card those oh back in the day four fight main cards please all this six fight bullshit um you know it's a four fight main card and what happened in the gym, folks, is not what happened on that fight. Matt Brown came out and starched Mike Pyle. I know Mike Pyle had the notorious representation for being the gym guy, granted. But that aside, that's still a very realistic and apropos story here. Um, Buckley could very well upset here. That being said, I'm going to go with Durayev again, first or second round sub. Haven't bet anything on it because uh, maybe I'm scared of this one. But also, I didn't like Buckley's body language in the interview. I hate reading too much into that, but boy, did it seem bad. He might have some PTSD from whatever Durayev did to him in the room. So we'll see. Demir, is my ghoul off? I don't know, man. Look in the mirror. Minus 175. Gran Kutate plus 150. Um, I'm actually going to go with Kutate Ladze here um, over uh, Demir. Uh, Demir looks like he's well, really well trained, really good camp. It looks like he's in shape coming in from Tiger Muay Thai, finishes camp off at ATT. You know, but at the end of the day, he looks like he needs to wrestle and he's got a serviceable game there. But uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get takedowns. And if he can't wrestle when he needs to, then he really better hope his jab is on point. Um, I could see it certainly sticking Kutate Latse, who shifts a lot and can get caught, but he's got a lot of parrying and a lot of straight shot counters that he likes to work. You could tell he's really getting the feel for. Maybe he was working a lot of them uh, coming into this fight, hence why he has a nice little bashed up nose that worries me, because it's only going to take a couple of those jabs to bust up Kutate Latze's nose, and then you have to, again, not coming at the judges here. Okay, relax, everybody. Uh, But, you know, yes... I'm sure you would like to think, and if you asked every judge, they would say, and rightfully so, that if a the busted nose happens in round one, it has no effect on how they score round two or three. But again, folks, God forbid I'm bringing up this little thing 
called human nature. And when you see blood and damage, you tend to think thing more things are landing than they are. And the person is more perhaps damaged and impacted than they really are. And that's always a worry for me, you know. I'm not saying you definitely should not ignore uh, damage markers. Of course not. You should ignore and score and factor them in. You should not ignore. You should factor them in, right? But don't overvalue it. And be careful of the natural bias to overvalue it in rounds that it didn't necessarily happen in. Maybe things weren't contributed to it, right? So that's going to be a worry here. It's why it's keeping me away from a bet. But I am going to pick Kutataladze because he's the better wrestler. Um, his defensive wrestling is beautiful, bonafique. And if he gets down to the ground... He's got a black belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu, and he's competent in submissions. Um, so I don't see Demir scoring anything there. Um, and Kutate Latse uh, seems to be the more impactful striker. He kicks a lot. And Ismagulov seems to have a good radar for kicks. I hope that he went to train at Tiger Muay Thai to improve it because he doesn't necessarily check and can be kicked against people who willingly kicked, which not a lot of people do, but when they do, they can land. And I feel like that's going to be something for Kutate Latse. And if he does get the feeling in any of his parry counters, uh, hooks, hook counters, um, we've seen the, the dude, you know, knocked out Felipe Silva when he was rocked. Um, the guy, you know, carries knockout power in that realm too. Can be the more damaging slash impactful fighter there. Um, if he doesn't get overwhelmed with volume and built on with a bloody nose, right? So I'm actually going to go with Kutata Latte when a close competitive decision. I stayed away from it for that reason, but I'll, I'll go with him here. Um, Hobocop, baby. Hobocop. Going town to town. Racially profiling uh, people in trouble. Hobocop, baby. Part of Bolsonaro's Royal Guard sweeping out the sweet streets of Sao Paulo from the, the, the filthy homeless. Joking there. Joking, folks. Not, not trying to fuck with you on house. I'm just saying. This guy definitely looks like a... Uh, definitely looks like a... Uh, Looks like he's part of a homeless initiative, some Bolsonaro homeless initiative. He, you know, he definitely looks like a hobo cop. He looks like that. Also looks like he's packing. But uh, he's facing Julian Marquez, um, plus 150. Obviously, stated bias there. Uh, Julian Marquez, um, uh, a guy I've done projects with, uh, even hung out uh, even hung out with or whatever. I'm not trying to fucking brag or name drop him. Believe me, I'm just trying to state potential biases here. Even though fucking doing someone's podcast or having them, you know, hang out and watch fights with you at your house or whatever uh, should not contribute. Sorry, that's not my dogs. These are other dogs. Loud neighbor with dogs. Um, should not contribute to me picking for or against somebody. Again, folks, again, of course, you know, same thing with the judges and the body work. I'm not saying that they, they go out purposely twiddling their mustache, go, hmm, how do I not score body work? Or I'm not saying that, you know, they go out there and go, well, you got blood in one round, you got blood in all the rounds. Of course, they don't do that. But what's human nature, folks, right? Right? There's natural biases, and God forbid I try to state those, one of the few. Um, so, uh, and they are very real, you know? A lot of people try to avoid those things and try to stick to the, the to, 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 to what's written and what's this and that and what's the but again, what's written back to the impact and that's fucking subjective and we weigh the subjective part the heaviest. I don't disagree again, but it's just kinda of funny when you break it down that way, right? Um, anyways here. Um, so I'm stating my bias for, for Marquez here, because I'm also feathering the nest where I'm gonna go. I am picking Marquez. I didn't think I was 
I was like, oh, man, I'm going to piss off Julian Marquez. I'm just going to be another media member writing him off here for my boy Hobo Cop. You know, it was, was got to get back on track. After, you know, it was a close nod. Not mad with that Petrosian thing. But, again, um, you know, it was uh, – you, you, shit. You could argue all three rounds to either fighter. You know, it, was, it really was one of those fights. But, um it was one of those things where I don't feel like impact was necessarily kept the same energy on. I feel like the more impactful shots in both rounds were for Hobo Cop in rounds one and two. Um, and then he clearly gets major impact and uh, a big submission attempt. He almost finishes the fight on the floor and on the feet, which should have been enough to earn him round three. But, you know, again, if someone's going by the damage thing, um, well, then Hobo Cop... Um, Getting, uh, you know, doing the Josh Koscheck, Drew Fickett, uh, Aljo Marais dive into a knee thing. Um, and uh, usually it ends in a knockout. And Hobo Cop, it just ended in him losing the fight, not by knockout, but because he got a cut there. Uh, even though he also did blood damage, um, you know, later in the fight. You, you know, you all, you know, even though those numbers are bullshit, because uh, I, I know they're bullshit because I generously rounded down and counted 11 checks. And I believe Fight Metric only has him, has Petrosian missing five of his, of his like 50 leg kicks. And I'm like, no, no. Because these motherfuckers don't know what checks are. So that's another reason why. You know, you can't go with these striking stats, folks. And then that's what's being on the broadcast. And it's like, oh, but he's got the numbers. And it's like, these numbers aren't official the night of. And even the official ones end up being fucking wrong, folks. They're wrong. Go look at it. I generously rounded down to, 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 to 11 uh, checked kicks. And they are over double off of that mark. According to their own calculations. Um... So, you know, there's that. But uh but but again, you know, there's that, that 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 damage argument, I guess, for round three, even though it is the least popular round of the scores, I believe, the score for Petrosian. But again, if you're really gonna go with that, well then why aren't you scoring rounds one and two for uh Rod- Rodriguez then? You know, he had the more impactful ones, but you know, it's you know uh I believe I saw my guy Luca Fury t- tweeting about this and he's absolutely correct. You know, volume and perceived impact is what uh, favors the judge's favor, you know, and those both of those things are biased toward striking, right? Again, back to that natural bias, and it's, it's true. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean I agree with it. Venture to say opposite on both those, but it's, but it's true. It's 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 the sensible deduction that you can make because that's what is being rewarded. That's what is is biased toward toward criteria both written and interpreted. And I say that written and interpreted because there's three different things, folks. It's like a film, um, a fight, you know. It's like a film analogy. There's three different films, right? There's the film that's written. There's the film that's shot. And there's the film that's edited. Those are three different films. The film that's written is not always the film that's shot. And the film that you see is not always the film that's shot because you're seeing the film that was edited, Right? And edited has the last words. So in this analogy, edited, the editors are the judges. The film being shot is clearly the fight being action. And the script is the criteria. 
all three of those things can arguably be perceived as different things in one thing, you know, and that's, that's the tricky part about all this because you got, you know, what's written, what's, what's interpreted and the, of course, the major X factor is the action that happens and how that determines it right or wrong, whether it's rightly determined air quotes or wrongly determined air quotes, right? That action is going to send that interpretation in one way or another. And we're trying to tether all three of these things, the criteria, the judging, and the action that actually happens. We're trying to tie all these things together. We're trying to make it make sense. And God forbid, we'll never get complete consistency, but some somewhat consistency and certainly better consistency than what we're getting. So, yeah, sorry, long rant there. But, again, this is, this is why... A lot of scores are very justifiable, whether we like to admit it or not. And even though I was upset at this one, it's no robbery. It's no, it's not, it's not, it's not Maximoff or Soriano level either. Um, it's, um, it's a close fight, but it was just annoying because it, it was a matchup that made no sense. Hobo Cop deserved better, um, deserved to win for the better work, in my opinion, better defense, more impactful shots both from a technical nerd eye and a criteria reductive eye. I think that he wins under both of those uh, versions of fighting scoring criteria, right? Um, with a wink and a nudge on, on my own, because my own is meaningless, but, which is, falls under the technical nerd hipster or whatever. But he, he completes it under both, in my opinion. But again, it's a close fight. And it really sucks, and it's really going to suck if he loses this fight like I'm going to pick him to, because... Hobo Cop can get hurt. Now, he can look more hurt than he, he he seems to be. He rolls with a lot of punches. But the fact is, he just he gets hurt, and he feels like he's on the tipping point, and he's due to be knocked out any time now. It was a real risk in his last fight. It almost happened in the fight before against Iron Turtle. And uh, Marquez has never been stopped. You know, they got the underlined uh, chalk. Like, it's going under for sure, yet... The guy who's an underdog is the guy who's never been stopped. That's kind of weird, right? And uh, Marquez has got that dog in him, man. And um, I think the live crowd will make Hobocop uh, more apt to exchange to either put open himself, which will either open himself up for a knockout or make himself tired if he doesn't get the knockout or finish, which will therefore, again, open himself up for a finish later on. Um, and then you couple that in with Hobocop being, you know, which makes sense and arguably rightfully so the most upset than anybody than the decision right of the last fight but so much in fact he said in his interviews and again it's just fighter interviews you gotta take it with a grain of salt but he did say he's gonna be trying extra hard for the finish now i don't like that i don't like that attitude i don't like overcorrecting the steering wheel you know in general in this sport it's dangerous i talk about it all the time i don't like the scorn attitude like you're coming out of a bad relationship because that can create for a bad decision uh, an overcorrecting of the steering wheel there, right? could be very bad. And you're going to do that against a guy um, who the crowd's probably going to be rooting for and he's never been stopped or submitted because he's a fucking savage and he comes on strong late in fights. So if you don't get your finish, you're dealing with hell on the back half of round two and round three. Um, so for that reason, Marquez is really cashed with, uh, you know, some sub props and even sub sub slash round two props, which he hit on the nail on the head, uh, for me the last time out. Um, I'm going to play the middle there. I'm not going to hit, well, actually, 
Hold on. I, I did maybe hit sub somewhere. I know Hobocop is, is accoladed, but listen, folks. Glover, we said earlier. Um, Adolfo Vieira, this same weight division, right? We've seen this before. Um, so I picked Marquez here, and I could play a money line, and maybe I should. I'll regret it here, but here's what I did. I played him round two and round three, baby. I believe those are his finishing rounds, right? It's either one and two or two and threes that I've been kind of doing this pattern. And 20 bucks on round two plus 1,000. Uh, that's a nice return, of course, there. Um, you know, another, another two-unit neighborhood return. Uh, and then round three plus 1,600, 0.17 U, 0.17 U, 17 ducats for... You know, another 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 nice uh, over two unit return there. If that hits, now in one house that offers the method and round, I did small sprinkles, only ten dollars a piece, folks, uh, in that house. And sub round two plus twenty five hundred, sub round three plus thirty three hundred for ten ducats. So that's, I don't know what that is, but it's it's nice for very little if it does hit because he'll grab. That's the thing, Marquez will hurt someone. And then just grab on and choke you out from all sorts of strange positions. And he's got the gorilla strength and underrated technique and cardio and go get after it, you know. So I hate, I love, you know, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Hobo Cop, but um, I'm also a fan of Marquez, baby. And uh, I think he's, you know, again, it's a flyer pick, it's a flyer plays, but they pay off big if they hit. So I took that there. Next fight, Adrian Yan is minus 285. Tony Kelly, plus 240. I think this is going to be much more competitive than the line uh, is. That's why I left Yanez out of my potential parlay. Uh, or potential, I actually did lay in the parlay. Uh, a two-legger. Um, but I took Yanez. I'll take him by decision, but it could be a very dicey fight where Yanez people are sweating on tickets, and maybe it's overcorrection the line. From, I don't know. He opened wider, but maybe it was overcorrection on because Tony Kelly just, you know, being a, uh, a douche uh, with some xenophobic co comics in the corner. Maybe it's like an overcorrection off of that. I don't want to, I'm not a Tony Kelly fan by any means, but I also don't want to fall into that trap. But as an analyst, I will pick against him, unbiasedly. Uh, I do like me some Yanez, though. Um, I'll take Yanez by decision. Jasmine Jazdavigius, minus 230. Natalie Silva plus 95. I didn't look into this fight at all. I'll pick Jazza Divisius. Um, Court McGee minus 120. Jeremiah was a bullfrog plus 100. Surprised to see love on McGee, but I get it. Um, you know, McGee's been looking beastly. He could get KO'd here, but he's hard to finish. Um, so I'll take him by decision, but I'm not going to play McGee. One, miss the dog money train. Two, I wouldn't be confident getting on Jeremiah Wells, you know. If he doesn't get the knockout, he has to grind. You can't grind a grinder, but he comes from a really good grinding school, and he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who looks to be improving his MMA wrestling. Um, and, you know, he might just try to follow the same playbook uh, that his teammate Sean Brady did. You know, obviously he is not Sean Brady, um, hence the line. But uh, if I picked Court McGee in that fight and took a flyer and he made it more competitive, how can I not pick him here? Didn't play him, though, again, like I said. But what I did play is I actually took a shot on the over 2.5. I 
I don't think either of these guys sub each other, so it's going to be... Either, and McGee, you know, I, I was scared. He almost ruined my decision prop because his hands have been getting better, if anything, you know? Uh, but that being said, I don't see him knocking Wells out either. So pretty much, so long as McGee doesn't get knocked out, I think this should be okay. Um, and I parlay the over with something uh, for plus money. Danny Chavez, plus 235. Ricardo Ramos, minus 280. I'll take Ramos, but I want no part in this. Ramos just feels like he could potentially always shit the bed, and he does those weird behind-the-back kicks. Danny Chavez doesn't show up much, but he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Cesar Carnero. So maybe he'll be hard to finish. Maybe it won't be game-over territory if he gets the back. And, you know, cheeky judges. Uh, getting the back isn't everything, <laughs> you know, uh, depending on the context of the round, of course. But I will take Ramos. Not confident in it at all. I'll take him uh, by a sketchy-ass decision. Uh, Gloria De Paula minus 260, Maria Oliveira plus 220. I'll take Gloria De Paula. Um, both like to strike, but I believe off memory she strikes better, so I'll take her. She's the favorite, no play. Cody Staben minus 500, Eddie Wineland coming out from Fighting Fires for his yearly appearance. Hopefully not to get KO'd uncomfortably at plus 400. Um, I think Staben wins it, but uh, this could be a, a potentially funny upset. Because I'm like, well, Stamina's not a big finisher, and if he doesn't take down Eddie, Eddie's got the big cage to dance around in. Eddie used to wrestle himself. Um, shit, what if he scores an upset or makes it a deceptively close fight? I'll still take um, Stamina um, by decision, but uh, not super confident in it at that price. Um, Phil Hogg's. Minus 265, Darren win. Team Teddy Bear, baby. Uh, plus 215, fighters look like they're built in a Build-A-Bear shop. That is Darren Wynn. Uh, that is also um, Devin Brownback. Like, come on, Devin, you got to fight, goddamn. Uh, and uh, Dracar Close, all built in a Build-A-Bear shop, folks. That's right. Those are facts. Um, Darren Wynn looks like he's in good shape, man. He's, he made quiet improvements. I was able to squeak out a win against a guy who you know, was not good. Um, but, uh, you know, Haas, speaking of guys who potentially feel like they can fall apart, he's always going to have that bill, I think, to him. But could argue maybe he overly has it, you know? Guys who have that don't get credited with it enough, while Phil Hoggs could be a current poster child of it, right? Um, but I, I like Haas, man. He's really smart student of the game. Uh, just that doesn't count on things like hype or athleticism, actually working on his technique. Looks like he's been working a lot on his grappling, which is good. Been able to show that he can win decisions even when he gets hurt. He can still dig it out, make adjustments, and go to the body, which was beautiful against Kyle Dukakis, Dukakis which we'll talk about next. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, unless he gasses himself out, definitely has a high comic potential, like Jack Slack said on Twitter. I agree. But you know what, man? Um, this is another angle, too, though, where this fight was booked two times before. And Darren Wynn pulled out both times. And, you know, one of those times led to a last-minute opponent and, you know, complete opposite-style opponent. Uh, and, you know, not saying that's why. Fucking Chris Curtis is really good and deserves all the credit. Badass Southpaw. Um, good dude. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, got, got Haas knocked out for it. Um, so aside from the karmic justice, um, Darren Wynn owes, owes Haas a show-up. And, again... Just like, again, the, the, the angle previously, based on one of my biggest betting angles of all time from a man who came from that very gym, uh, a.k.a. that Darren Wynn comes from, uh, 
gym that trains hard. So, you know, if you're you're injured, you're this, you're that. Something's wrong with Darren Wynn. Kind of like uh, Donald Cerrone. He's got to show up, buddy. He's got to show up. Um, whereas Haas, man, I, I don't know. That guy just looks like he's like a superhero uh, who can only be dismantled in the cage, which is the problem. Um, but I'm going to back him here, man. You know, uh, maybe it's that potential fear. And, you, you know, I mean, maybe it's like last week where I'm, I'm you know, going to get burned again like Choi, right? You got to learn, Dan. But uh, I ended up pairing Haas um, with... Uh, it was either between him and Dawkins, and I guess we'll get to that in a second. I guess w- why I'm picking Dawkins, but didn't choose him there. Um, they're both probably two of my more confident ones, but if I'm going to pick one or the other, and I only needed one for this plus number, um, I paired Hawes with the over for the Wells and McGee fight, and that play pays one plus 113 for a unit. And if that hits, that covers all the exposure of all the prop and round sprinkles that I previously listed because those are my plays. You get what I'm saying? Whereas if one of those round sprinkles, especially them two unit bad boys hit, just one of those hits, it covers the total exposure regardless of what else hits. Um, so that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the coverage and the angle here. Playing safety first, then teamwork. Low exposure on this card, but going for some long shots as well. Um, Kyle Dawkins minus 240, Roman Delize plus 200. Don't disagree with the spread, just wish it was tighter. Um, where, where it opened, didn't get it there. Kyle Dock is another Philly guy making a lot of improvements, well-trained. But I, I got a quiet feeling that he could, you know, fall apart too. You know, he did that against Haas, the guy who everybody accuses of falling apart every fight, right? And Dock is kind of did that. Granted, it was nice body work, and Dock has bounced back. Looked good against Holland, even before the headbutt, I think. But, um, you know, that fight didn't really get to play out. Uh, the lead's a good enough to survive training with guys like um, the other Roman uh, Romanoff. Um, some really good guys out here in Las Vegas. Um, but he's such a cowboy and he fights with such crazy IQ and, and, and lack of process. I can't pick the lead's a. Um, but, you know, if he gets on top of Dacus, if he's able to survive, um, he is the bigger, stronger, more powerful guy, too, as well. Um, maybe he gets the big brother mentality on Dacus, can take over the fight, but, uh, I'm definitely, I'm going to pick Dacus here by decision. Decision plus 150, not juicy enough for me to take a stab at. Maybe I will, since I'm not playing Dacus in a parlay anymore, because it was either between him or Haas. Maybe I'll regret not backing, uh, Dukakis, but I'll, I'll pick Dukakis here. All right. How do we do on time? Terrible, I'm sure. 145. Yeah, it was awful. I jinxed it. All right, taking Cater over Emmett, taking Cerrone over Lozon, taking Holland, or taking Lozon over Cerrone, sorry, taking Holland over Means, even though hold for the plays, taking Duryev over Buckley, taking Kutateladze over Ismagulov, taking Marquez over Hobocop, taking Yanez over Kelly, taking Jez Duvizias over Silva, taking McGee over Jeremiah was a bullfrog, taking Ramos over my favorite Rainbow Six character, Chavez, taking Di Paula over Oliveira, taking Stamen over Wineland, taking Hogs over Wynn, taking Dukakis over Dalidze, uh, parlayed uh, Hogs and uh, McGee Wells over 2.5. Uh, for plus 113 at one unit, sprinkled on Cater round three plus 1200.17 unit, round four plus 2000.10 unit, round three plus 3300.10 unit, sprinkled Marquez round two 
plus 1,000 point 20 unit. Round three, plus 1,600 point 17 unit. One house, very small. Round two, sub Marquez, plus 2,500 point 10 unit. Round three, sub, plus uh, 3,300, very small, plus point 10 unit. Lausanne, round one. Plus 550 for 20 ducats or for a one unit and a $110 return just over a unit. And for a unit return, just sprinkled on means by decision if it gets there for 20 bucks uh, for a nice unit return if that gets there. All right, follow me at Dan Tom MMA if I add any more. Thank you for supporting at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Click throughs for some really shitty companies if you uh, unfortunately use uh, on it or uh, Amazon I think those are still up there uh, or you can just go to the secure PayPal link to donate and support to the show straight up it's also featured in my link tree where you could find links to my YouTube channel Daniel Tom MMA hashtag get Dan Tom to 1k baby thank you so much for the support there Daniel Tom on the YouTube channel thank you for sharing and supporting the show which you can find on all social platforms at the PYN podcast like subscribe please i won't pollute your feed follow um and of course at dan tom mma on twitter where i'm most active and where i will add all right good luck on your picks and plays and always protect your neck